The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Our scripture for this morning is found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. If you're reading from the Black Bible that's in front of you, it can be found on page 916. Please stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Let the one who is taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Amen. Well, you just heard there, we're going to be concentrating on verses 6 through 10 in Galatians chapter 6. We are rapidly moving towards the end of, um, of this letter that Paul wrote to the churches of, of Galatia. Um, if you just do your math, or maybe you just know, um, there's only a fistful of verses left, and Lord willing, we'll be able to wrap, wrap those up next week. Um, I, I hope this letter has been good um, for you, challenging for you. Just know that it's been challenging um, for me, um, just as one of, one of your pastors. Um, it's been a good challenge for me, um, and just as I grow um, in my preaching and continue to grow, it really challenged me um, in those middle parts where Paul just got really a thick into the theology of justification by faith. How do you, how do you go about preaching that in a way? Um, that lands and it, it get on, on our hearts and gets applied, but um, especially as Paul moved into the applicational portion of his letter, specifically chapters 5 and 6, where we find ourselves today, and he's talking about this idea of freedom. Christ bought freedom. What does this freedom look like? How does it work itself out? It's not on us entirely. This isn't a pull yourself up by the bootstraps mentality. It's a spirit-led thing. We talked a couple of weeks ago. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, live in the Spirit. That's the language he was, he was using for us. And so those were very, very good um, and challenging verses for me just as a believer in Christ. Right? Sometimes we can just lose the fact because, like, that I'm just, an, I'm just an average Christian too. And I'm still growing and maturing in, in my faith as well. And so as I was preparing to preach those messages, what you need to know that oftentimes my prayer is that the messenger would first be affected by that message. So it wouldn't just be me becoming sort of a message-producing machine that just shoots stuff out of my mouth and sprays it out onto a congregation on Sunday morning. I want my heart to be affected by these things as well. If you remember last week, Paul rounded the corner into the overly practical, concrete realities of just what life in the Spirit looks like. And so really what we're going to see is that Paul is not done with that as he moves into verses 6 through 10. Um, again, if you're into writing down sermon titles, last week was called Life in the Spirit. 
this morning's sermon title is just called Life in the Spirit Round 2. Because Paul's just continuing to show us what life in the Spirit looks like. The main idea he's going to lay on us this morning of what the Spirit-led living looks like among the community of believers is this. He's just going to show us that Spirit-led burden-bearing looks like caring for the practical needs of others, especially fellow believers. So we're going to say this here in a couple of minutes. We're going to repeat it a couple of times that not only is Spirit-led community life among believers not self-conceit, which is what we saw last week, it is gentle restoration for those who are caught in transgression. We saw that as well. It's also that burden-bearing. So Paul's just going to continue that idea of spirit-led burden-bearing, but now he's going to bring it into the realm of practical care with, for the needs of others. And he's going to get specific in applying this principle to our material possessions and our finances is the way he's going to come at this idea of what spirit-led life among the body of believers looks like, okay? So um, anytime you have a sermon on uh, money, on finances, on giving, um, it's sort of the sermons that maybe some of you are like, man, today's the day I wish I would have slept in, right? Because I don't want the pastor telling me what to do um, with, with, with my possessions or my money. But what you just need to know is this. It's not me telling you to do, do anything. It's just what the scriptures are calling us to do in light of, of being those who've received the Holy Spirit and are looking to walk and keep in step with the Holy Spirit, okay? So um, I'm just sort of, I say all of that, maybe a little bit longer of an introduction than normal, just because I've been feeling the potential awkwardness of what's coming down the line, especially if you just read verse 6 there, right? Let the one who has taught the word, that's me, right? Or, or that's you guys, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches and so we're rounding the corner into a place where the scriptures are telling you guys to make sure you're getting generous so that I can, like, right, someone like me can benefit. And that there's just always something sort of like, oh, great, yeah, of course he's saying that, isn't he? Because he's the one. There's just that awkwardness there. But what I'm trying to do is give that preemptive strike of asking the Holy Spirit to see that this isn't just about lining someone's pockets. This is truly about a, a relationship with God. And Paul is just saying, like, living by the Spirit, walking in something, it looks like something. And it looks like a relationship with God that works itself out in the horizontal planes of life. It actually looks like something. And this something is not just self-conceit and or not being self-conceited. And it's not, uh, or it's, it's that idea of caring for one another who caught burdens, that gentle restoration. Yes, it looks like burden bearing, but he's like, it actually looks like believers being free with the possessions they've give, been given so that they can benefit others, because God has given freely to them in Christ Jesus. So he said, Paul's just, I'm telling you, this is like the most incredibly practical, concrete application of life in the Spirit, and Paul's just going to lay that on us today, okay? So we just need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to grasp these things. So let's pray, then we'll dive into these verses here in order to understand what, what uh, the Holy Spirit carrying along Paul wants us to understand, okay? Father, you, you've given us these words so that we can mature into Christ-likeness. I'm just reminded of this thought by Jesus where Jesus said, we need to be sanctified by the truth. And then he tells us that the word 
is the truth. So we need to be sanctified. We need to be molded more into the image of Jesus by the word before us. That is how we will be crafted and honed and sanded and chiseled into our Savior, into the image of our Savior. And so that's why we need your help, Holy Spirit, to do this. I'm asking that you, Holy Spirit, would move in power right now. That you would open our eyes to see Jesus in this text on giving. Sacrificial, generous giving. I'm asking that you, Holy Spirit, would demonstrate your power so that faith might come and rest in Him who is the power of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as we look at a text on giving. That you, Holy Spirit, would open our minds to understand the Scriptures just like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So that we can say like them when all is said and done this morning, did not our hearts burn within us as the Scriptures were explained? This is beyond me to do, which is why we're asking for your intervention this morning. We're asking for you, living God, to come descend and move through the proclamation of the Scripture, setting me aside so that the Word takes center stage. Christ is in the spotlight so that He might receive maximum glory through sinners who've been justified by grace through faith, who've been challenged and grown in the word, who will then leave here this morning in such a way to where they are different from the way they came in. God, help us for your name, for your honor, for the sake of your son. Amen. So remember, this is Life in the Spirit round two, okay? So it's good for us to re-ask the kind of question we asked last week, which is this. What does a spirit-led community look like? What does a spirit-led community look like? This is what Paul has been talking about basically through the bulk of chapter 5. We want to be a community of believers who are led by the Spirit. So it's just appropriate for us to go, okay, so what does a spirit-led community look like? When we see people who've received the Spirit like the Galatians have and are living by the Spirit, like Paul is encouraging them to do, we can ask the question, well, what sorts of things will these Spirit-received people look like? What, what kind of actions, works will mark their life? I said a couple minutes ago, last week, Paul said it's going to look like not self-conceit, but it is going to look like burden-bearing, gentle restoration of those caught in any transgression. We said last week a believer can know they're walking in the Spirit as they gently seek to restore those caught in transgression and bear those burdens. Now this morning, Paul is going to maintain this course. At first glance, when you roll from verses 5 into verse 6, it just looks like it becomes this sort of... Um, this like tossed salad of just like random thoughts by Paul where he's like, 
hey, you know, share all good things. And then he starts talking about this idea of sowing and reaping. And then all of a sudden he's talking about not growing weary of doing good. And it looks like it's just sort of like the, the letter's winding down. And he's just tossing out like just truths and just little, little snapshots. But my argument is there are wide principles that are there at play. But Paul is aligning them in a certain way to help us understand what generous giving, generous spirit-led giving looks like in our lives. See, Paul's just maintaining his course on what life in the Spirit looks like, and he's explaining that Spirit-led burden-bearing also looks like, verse 6, sharing all good things. Part of what it means to keep in step with the Spirit is to care for the practical needs of others, especially fellow believers. In other words, Paul is now winding down the body of his letter to the Galatians maybe to our surprise, with an encouragement on what it looks like to be generous and giving with your material possessions, with your finances. This is the major thought behind that phrase that you see pop up in verse 6, 9, and 10, this idea of good. So, right, let everyone, let us do good to everyone, he says, especially fellow believers. You see that down there in verse 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good, he says there in verse 9. And these thoughts flow out of verse 6, ultimately, where we are told to share all good things. So if we're going to understand like this thread that's weaving through these verses and the way Paul is taking wide, far-ranging, expansive truths that can show up in any category of life, he is now bringing it down and anchoring it into a very practical, applicational sort of way in the realm of giving. So if we're going to understand what spirit-led burden-bearing looks like, if we're going to understand what this life in the spirit means for the sons and daughters of God who are in the household of faith, then we need to ask, what does Paul mean when he says, share all good things. Share all good things. What does he mean by this? Well, the clues to that, to that answer, to that question, come there in verse 6. Just look at your copy of Scripture. When you read it in its entirety, we begin to pick up on what Paul is driving at here. He says, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. So we have the command from the Apostle Paul to share all good things. But notice who is involved in the sharing. The one who has taught the word and the one who teaches. So there's two parties at play there with this idea, this phrase in the middle, share all good things. In other words, what Paul is doing is he's now turning his focus onto the pastor congregation relationship that exists there in the churches of Galatia or any other New Testament Christ-centered gospel preaching church. Because on one hand, you have the congregation, that is those who are taught the word. And on the other hand, you have the pastor, the teacher, the one who teaches the word. And Paul says spirit-led community, spirit-led burden-bearing looks like the congregation sharing all good things with their pastor-teacher as the pastor-teacher shares all good things with those who are being taught the Word. 
And so now what you begin to find here is that when Paul uses that term share, it's a very specific word in the original language that drives at this idea of being generous, being sacrificial, and giving, specifically giving with material possessions, giving with finances. It's a specific word used to describe the attitude of generosity But when Paul uses the word in other places in the New Testament, it's generosity that he always funnels into the realm of finances and possessions and the way that members of the household of faith are generously sharing these things back and forth with one another. You see this in Romans 12, verse 13. You see it in Philippians 4, chapter chapter 4, verse 15, where Paul takes that word, and when he uses it in his other letters, it's always funneled through, through that vein. It's always seen through that lens. Sharing, in this sense, then, all good things is, in Paul's mind, landing on us in the realm of generosity, giving, material possessions, finances. So when Paul says, let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches, he's telling us that spirit-led living looks like generous giving. It looks like generous giving of our finances, generous giving of our material possessions. Or, to put verse 6 even more plainly, he's saying this to the churches of Galatia, that a sign of a spirit-led community is when a congregation generously gives of their finances in order to pay their pastor. Now, If you think that's awkward to hear, you should be in my shoes right now because it's even more awkward to preach. Let me, let me, let me tell you that, okay? Again, like there, this is the reason why a lot of people are like, church, because they see abuses of this, of this truth. Guys like me in the sense of people who just have a microphone and a pulpit and an audience get up and take verses like this and abuse it and bludgeon it because they are self-conceited. And not led by the Spirit. They're greedy for gain. And they use the people of God to line their pockets. And they roll out verses like this. It's like, well, I'm teaching you the word. And I'm the, you're, you're the one who's taught. And you're supposed to share all good things. And the only reason why they're doing it, the motivation is so that they can line their pockets and get rich. Which is a complete abuse of, of the pastoral calling. And all you've got to do is just go look at some of the pastoral epistles to find out how selfishness and greedy for gain are disqualifications for, for that. But that doesn't stop wolves in sheep's clothing trying to fleece the people of God. Okay? But what we can't do is say, well, you know, um, we, we've got to just avoid this kind of stuff. Well, like, that is sort of awkward, and I, I don't like the awkward, awkwardness of it. And I'm telling you, like, man, I don't like the awkwardness of it. But the thing is, this is the application of the Holy Spirit as he's carrying along Paul and writing this letter to the Galatians. He's like, it's, it looks like something, guys, is what, he's, is what he's saying to the Galatians there. You see, because the one thing that we just cannot escape, escape is, is that in God's beautiful plan for his church, the sharing of all good things is a major way in which recipients of grace mutually bear one another's burdens. 
Both pastor and congregation are to share with one another the good things they have from God for the benefit of each other. So do you see what's saying? So, so Paul isn't trying to weave this in because he's a greedy for gain guy, and he's just trying to weave this in because he's hoping that maybe some other pastors will get rich like him. No, if you look at Paul's life, it wasn't a get-rich-quick scheme, this pastoral ministry thing. But what he is saying is this. He's like, listen, the one who's been called by God has been given gifts, the gifts of preaching and teaching. And those gifts of spiritual nature, those spiritual gifts, are meant to be for the benefit of others. And so when those whom are being taught the word have also received gifts, finances, material possessions, what they are called to do is to give to the one who teaches the word so that he can benefit and it becomes this beautiful cycle where someone like me or any other pastor who finds themselves in a similar position can now be freed up to go full tilt in exercising my gifts that have been given to me for the benefit of you so that you can be receivers, recipients of that benefit. Then, I, so then you guys are giving freely so that it frees me up to where I'm not having to go out and work and worry and how am I going to provide for the family, all these sorts of things. And so then it becomes this beautiful give and take. And then what it just does is it works itself. It's just mutual burden bearing is what it is. You guys are bearing a burden, a legit concrete burden for my family when you give generously. I mean, there's just no other way to say it. Food on my table is because of your generosity. Me being able to pay my light bill is because of your generosity. You guys freeing me up so I can spend time, hours, days in my study, studying the Word of God so I can bring my spiritual gifts to you with the aim of blessing and being a benefit to you. So I'm trying to bear that burden of feeding the flock. You guys are bearing the burden of freeing me up financially to be able to do that. And it becomes this beautiful cycle of mutual burden bearing. I think Paul's just on the outside in looking looking on the outside in going, that's the beauty of this thing right here. Because when people see this, this is a picture of spirit-led community life. This is just what it looks like. It gets down into the nitty-gritty practicalities of, of giving generously with your finances. So just as the one who teaches shares the spiritual gifts God has given him with those who are taught the word, so those who are taught the word, says Paul, are to share the financial gifts God has given them with the one who teaches, giving it to the local church so that ministry can go out, so that the word of God can be proclaimed, so that people can be, be freed up to be able to devote themselves to that. And the beauty of this plan, the beauty of this design by God for his local body um, of, of believers, his local body of believers here on earth, God's design, God's plan in that mutual burden-bearing, spirit-led burden-bearing is that when this begins to happen and a church is walking in the Spirit in this way, just think about the effect and the gospel advance that this presents as the Word of God now can just be proclaimed freely and, and the gospel begins to go forward because of this reality working itself out in any given body of believers. This is the beauty of God's design. This mutual, Spirit-led, burden-bearing advances the gospel. As Christ bought recipients of grace are keeping in step with the Spirit. 
Now, there are different reasons why people struggle to provide financial support to their local church. Right? It's easy to hear this. It's hard to do. Seems, we be, seems like we've been saying that a lot in the practical aspects here of Galatians. Yeah? Easy to say, hard to do. And that goes back to 5, 16, and 17, that whole flesh-spirit battle that wages within us, right? We know the good we ought to do, James says, but there's times when we just choose not to do it, and that's sin. That's James 4. There's times when we know what is right, and we just choose to, as we'll see here in a minute, sow seeds to the flesh instead of sowing seeds to the Spirit. And so when Paul is thinking about what it looks like to provide financial support to the local church so that those who teach the Word of God might benefit and free them up and so that ministry can go out because of the way monies are being freely given, possessions are being freely given. Listen, Paul knows our hearts well enough to know that for some of us, our struggle in giving is due to a deception. And that's why he tells us, rolling into verse 7, do not be deceived. Do not be deceived, he says. Look at your copy of Scripture, 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Forever one sows, that will he also reap. For example, the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Listen, having heard that we are to generously give of our finances to the local church and thus bear one another's burdens, we might be prone to wonder, yeah, does this really matter for me, though? Does this really matter for me? I mean, does my sacrificial generosity in the giving of my finances, I mean, does it really accomplish anything? Just in the grand scheme of things here in this local body of believers, I mean, after all, what I give is such a small piece of the overall giving, right? I mean, all you got to do is just turn your heads around. We probably got about 100 or so people here. Let's just say that's 50 family units. We might be going like, does one 50th of the giving, I mean, is that really going to like affect anything like if I don't do that? I mean, is it really advancing the cause of the gospel if I do give? Like, right, we begin to maybe dip our, dip our toes into the waters of deception because we begin to think, man, like, I don't know that there's really something to this whole share all good things idea that Paul, Paul is talking about. Surely my generous giving doesn't make that much of a difference. Surely we think my sharing of all good things won't be missed if I just pull it back a little bit. To which Paul says, no, 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 don't be deceived on, on that way of thinking. And in saying this, I, I love the Apostle Paul because he's just building a helpful category by reminding us that believers can be deceived. It's possible to be deceived. We can be caused to wander. Just because we are genuinely justified by grace through faith in Christ Jesus does not mean we're beyond being deceived. And what's the deceit that he's warning us about? I think the deceit Paul is referring to is this idea of believing the way God has hardwired his world is somehow not true. I think the deceit that he's warning against 
is believing the lie that somehow our actions do not have consequences. That we can hear a command from the Lord God and then somehow say, I hear that, I understand that, but I'm going to do opposite of what the Lord God says and somehow being duped into believing that I can do opposite of what the Lord God wants and those actions will have no no negative consequences. But Paul, carried along by the Holy Spirit, he's going to shine the light on this deception by reminding us that God is not mocked. God has most definitely hardwired into his creation an absolute principle to where if we try to flaunt that principle, he's not going to be the one that is going to be mocked. It'll be us because we're bucking against something he said is absolutely true no matter the category of life that we find ourselves in. So Paul says, don't be deceived. And he says, I'm going to remind you why you should not be deceived. God will not be mocked for, this is why God will not be mocked, God has hardwired into his created world, this created order, that whatever one sows, this he will reap. If you sow something, you're going to reap something. If you're going to sow an action, you will reap a consequence. So notice that Paul is just driving at this idea of deception in our hearts. It's like, ah, generous giving. I just don't know that it really matters. He's like, no, it matters a ton. It really matters a ton. And to prove it, he dips into that world of agriculture, and he reminds us of something that we might call the law of the harvest. Hardwired into God's creation is this absolute principle of sowing and reaping. I mean, this is rudimentary. I mean, we, like, the kids downstairs would be able to, to grasp this. If you sow an apple seed, what are you going to reap? Apples. If you sow a corn seed, you're going to start reaping ears of corn. No farmer in their right mind sows a grape seed expecting a ripe harvest of green beans because you sow what you reap. This farmer fully and firmly grasps this inviolable truth. We reap what we sow. And just as sowing and reaping, says Paul, are true in nature, they are equally true in the spiritual realm. So don't be deceived, says Paul. Our present tense actions have serious long-term consequences. Indeed, God has designed it to be that way. As Paul continues down into verse 8, where he reinforces this reality of sowing and reaping by like sort of going back to the whole flesh versus spirit thing, and he just pulls it forward and says, like, right, this whole sowing and reaping thing, it's even like found out and proves itself in the spiritual realm in that flesh versus spirit battle. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Right, if we begin to sow thoughts sow deeds to the flesh, it should be no surprise that corruption, destruction, things start to break down. If we begin to walk the path where we say, you know what, it really doesn't matter what I read, and we begin to read things that don't promote us to set our mind on the things above where where Christ is. If we begin to nurse grudges, bear grievances, Harbor bitterness, 
Think that what I read does not matter. Think that what I see does not matter. Think that what I speak does not matter. Paul says there's sort of like two fields in the life of the believer. There's the spirit field and the flesh field. And if we go around dipping our hand into the seeds of the flesh and we just keep throwing it out onto the field of the flesh, what you got to know is you're going to reap the fruits of the flesh. It's just the law of the harvest. It's sowing and it's reaping. See, some of us wonder, why am I not growing in holiness? Some of us wonder, like, why does my Christian walk seem so stunted? And it's because when we look out onto the two fields of our life, we look over here to the field of the Spirit, and it's all grown over. It's full of thorns. It's full of thistles. It's full of weeds. The ground's fallow. It's not broken up. It's not watered. It's not fertilized. It's as hard as clay. We're definitely not sowing seeds over here, but here we are deceived into thinking that this, I mean, the field of the flesh over here looks like the botanical gardens, right? Flowing, green, fertilized, barren. Like, and we're over here just dipping into sort of the, the seed bag of, of the flesh, and we're throwing out onto the field of the flesh, and then over here going like, why am I not growing in holiness right now? Well, it's because when you go, when you think, when you speak, when you act, what we're doing is we're sowing seeds to the flesh in certain areas, and you're reaping the fruits of the flesh. So Paul says, don't be deceived in this way. Like the farmer gets it. Don't be surprised by these things. See, that's the general principle that I think Paul is arguing for here in verses 7 and 8. It's the absolute principle of sowing and and reaping. And it's just a wide principle that sums up life as a whole. No matter the category of life, wherever you sow, you're going to reap. If you sow seed poorly, you're going to reap a poor crop. The farmer will become poor. He's going to reap poverty if he's sowing poor seed. If we eat fatty foods, then we're going to reap a poor heart and potentially early death. If we give in to our flesh and sow seeds to the flesh, we will reap spiritual breakdown and destruction. Paul is just simply saying there's no way to escape the law of the harvest. It is hardwired into this created world in which God lives, or in which we live, which God has created. But for whatever reason, some of us think that we can outwit God's design and creation, but Paul is just simply around us. He's not going to be mocked. Right? If you're like, man, I'm just going to go, go downtown to the bars, and I'm just going to hang out there, but I'm not going to get drunk. Well, that could be a potential sowing to the seed of the, of the flesh, because then the next thing you know, you've had one too many and you are drunk. Or it could be like, no, man, I'm just going to watch this movie. Now, I know there's some scenes in here that I shouldn't be, be looking at. And somehow we try to justify. The next thing you know, that image pops up because you weren't ready for it. And you thought you could see it coming and skip over it. But what we did was we just took a couple little seeds and sowed it into it. Sowed it into the, the field of the flesh. Or maybe it's in the realm of sexuality, or maybe it's in the realm of relationships, right? Where what we keep doing is 
putting ourselves and posturing ourselves where we're sowing out into the field of the flesh, and then we're over here almost stupefied that we're reaping destruction and corruption and things aren't going the way that we would like them to go. Paul is just simply saying, guys, don't be deceived in this thing. If you're going to take the seed and you're going to go into the field of flesh and you're going to dig a little hole and you're going to plant that seed down in there, you're going to cover it up with dirt and you're going to fertilize it and you're going to water it with the thoughts of your mind and the actions of your life. It's like dumping water, dumping fertilizer on this thing and then it's going to start to grow. Don't, don't be stupefied that you're reaping a harvest of destruction, corruption, things not of the Spirit because it's just inevitably got to work that way. His call then is to sow to the Spirit, not by our own strength. Insert everything we've been saying for the past couple weeks, by the strength of the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that wide principle now stated, Paul just simply zooms back into verses 7 and 8. And what we find is Paul is just taking that broad principle and he's applying it to giving. Okay? Sharing all good things. So he's basically saying this, with giving... A person sows to the flesh when they use their material possessions and finances strictly for their own advantage. It's not wrong to use our money <laughs> for us. It's not wrong. I use that word strictly there. I try to think, think hard on that word. Strictly for their own advantage and according to their selfish desires. If the things God has given us, and it's true that all of our possessions and our finances are god giving these things to us, and we think that our possessions and our finances are strictly for us to be used in however, I, what, however way I want to, whenever I want to, wherever I want to, because they exist solely for me, Paul says that is taking like the flesh seed in the realm of finances, giving, generosity, and what that's doing is that's sowing it out into the field of the flesh. You're taking this good gift given by God and assuming that it should be strictly for your advantage according to your selfish desires. But the person who sows to the Spirit is the same as the one who sets their mind on the Spirit and walks by the Spirit as they're led by the Spirit to bear the fruit of the Spirit, one of which is goodness... And then as the fruit of the spirit of goodness begins to work itself out in the area of our finances, it will begin to manifest itself in generous giving to others. That's just sort of the connection and the way that Paul is talking about these things. So spirit-led living, again, looks like generous giving, but if there's one tension, justified recipients of grace know to be true, it's this, sowing to the spirit is not easy. Amen? Sowing to the Spirit is not easy. If anything, sowing to the Spirit is often quite hard. It's possibly one of the hardest just general exhortations of the Bible. Sow to the Spirit. It's hard. That's why I'm thankful for verses 17, 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desire of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, says Paul. He recognizes that this general call to sow to the Spirit is not an easy thing to do. Which is why he tells us, do not grow weary of doing good. Look at verses 9 and 10. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. 
So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Listen. People lay a lot of accusations at the feet of the Bible, but one that I, that I love that gets laid at the feet of the Bible because of how, of how untrue it is, is that the Bible is just sort of like all these fairy tales and these myths uh, that bear no reality on, on practical living. But that's just not true. Like, this is just Paul being straight up honest. Like, and I love how honest the Bible is. Like, Paul isn't over here going, listen, don't sow to the flesh, sow to the spirit. It's the easiest thing in the world, and if you can't figure it out, what are you doing, you big dummy, going out? No, he's like, he's just simply telling you this. Listen, I understand the reality here. It is hard. That's why sharing all good things, Paul recognizes it can be wearisome, which is why he says, do not grow weary of doing good. He fully recognizes that what I've just said can be hard. You see, when we keep in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit leads us to care for the practical needs of others with our material possessions and our finances, Paul knows this will necessarily demand a tremendous number of sacrifices from us. And for a lot of us, the reason why we taper back our giving in any season of life is because we're feeling the weight and the burden of those tremendous sacrifices of sowing to the Spirit, specifically in the realm of our sacrifice or in our, in our finances. Paul knows that when we bind our heart up emotionally to those we serve, we're going to experience great distress that could have been avoided if we just weren't doing that. Paul knows that we will cut ourselves off from many options in life that we could have had if we weren't in certain ministry relationships. Paul knows that we will have less money since we are giving generously to everyone as we have opportunity and especially to those who are of the household of faith, he knows the costs of spirit-led, sacrificial, generous giving are many. He knows the cost is great. But he also knows that if, verse 9, we do not give up in due season, we will reap. Reap what? Reap the deep satisfaction of seeing changed lives through our spirit-empowered sacrifice. Reap the joy of seeing families and neighborhoods changed by the gospel. Reap the reward of knowing that God delighted to use someone like us, led by the Spirit, to bear someone else's burden, only to see them be the recipients of this thing and now begin to mature into a burden bearer themselves so that they're now bearing other people's burdens and affecting others, and those people are maturing and bearing other burdens. And now there's this whole culture of mutual burden bearing that's going on, and that's part of the joy, the deep satisfaction of knowing the spirit of the living God is using me to represent and magnify Jesus in the way that I'm just dealing with my possessions and my giving. Listen, compassionate ministry can make you weary. If you're wanting to understand 
what weariness looks like. Compassionate ministry to those around you as it relates to your material possessions and your finances, it will make you weary. Weary. Contending for the gospel will make you exhausted. Every Christian can become discouraged in doing good deeds. There's just times where we're like, I'm tired. I don't want to make another meal for my neighbor. I don't want to have to give up this cash for that extra little thing because I'm trying to get new carpet installed in my house. My roof needs shingles, and sometimes your shingles are going to have to be put on hold because you're caring for somebody who can't put food on their table. And when you live in that world long enough, you're going to come to the point where you say, I'm tired, and I'm worn out, and I don't want to do this anymore. But the Apostle Paul says, keep sowing. Keep sowing. Do not grow weary of doing good. Do not be deceived. Don't let the enemy come and lead you to believe this thing doesn't really matter. He says, share all good things with everyone as you have opportunity, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Friends, Paul is saying this is what life in the Spirit is looks like. And I go back to what I said last week. So often what we can, can do is build up those categories in our mind where like, I want spirit-filled life. I want life in the spirit. And what we mean by that is we're importing in a definition to where what we're saying is life in the spirit can only look like mighty, miraculous deeds and wonders and all these crazy like book of Acts things going on in the world where like people are saying, what must I do to be saved? And like, Paul's hankies are wait, bringing people back to life and people are being miraculously healed. We're like, this is life in the Spirit. And so Paul, but Paul says, yeah, 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 that's true. That is life in the Spirit. We can't negate that. But he says life in the Spirit also looks like you dipping into your checking account and helping someone put food on their table. Like that's one of the most Spirit-filled, Spirit-led things you could do this week is ask yourself the things that God has given me, this, this, this gift of finances and possessions, how can I use it, not for myself, but to, three weeks ago, serve one another through love? This is life in the Spirit. And let me just end with this. I'm, I'm done, and you guys are thankful as well that, that it's done. But let me just say this. This was hard for me. This is hard for me. Easily, one of the areas that I sow to the flesh in my, in my life still, the area I struggle with and thought indeed is generous giving, money. And so here is the Apostle Paul saying, Pastor Jonathan, one of the ways that you can walk in the Spirit this week is to walk in a way where you have sort of an open-handed grasp on your possessions and on your finances. As you have opportunity... He's not saying you got to do it to every single person everywhere. It's, yeah, everyone, as you have opportunity, you may not have the opportunity. And there's no need to feel guilty or worked up about that. But he says, especially in the household of faith, are we asking the questions just of, what does it look like to bear one another's burdens in this way? This is just hard, 
hard for me. And this was, uh, this was something that just landed on me deeply and challenged me at the, in the very heart level of how much we need the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. Because, again, if you're just like, oh, goodness, goodness gracious, I need to go out there and I just need to start carving off more money and I just need to start giving and I and I and I and me and I and I. And he's like, no, 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 you're, you're stepping off. Because remember, this is the practical application of being led by the Spirit. That's how we walk in the Spirit. How do we walk in the Spirit? It's as we're led by the Spirit. As we're led by the Spirit, that's how we keep in step with the Spirit. It's a Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered thing that leads us to go to the place where we go pull out, pull out our money, we think about our checking account or whatever it might be, and go, Spirit, use the things you've given me so I can be generous to those around me. I want my finances to reflect what Spirit-led living looks like. It's a dangerous prayer to pray. Because the Spirit's going to start opening your eyes up to a lot of opportunities. Opportunities you might not be ready for because you have your heart set on a whole number of things with your finances. But the Holy Spirit, as He bears His fruit in our lives, my hope is that we will become a Spirit-led community that is not full of self-conceit, that does practice gentle restoration, that does walk with humble burden-bearing that manifests itself in generous giving to one another so the outside world can look in and go, what is up with that community of people? Like, who does this? And Paul is saying, spirit-led folk. That's who, that's who do this. People who have received the Spirit because they've been justified by grace through faith in Christ. That's Paul's argument here in the book of Galatians, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that you just work utter practicality in, in our lives. This is challenging to me this past week, and I just dare to presume that it might be challenging to some of us here right now. Things that are spoken that we don't want to hear because maybe they hit too close to home. Maybe there's just things that we don't want to hear this morning because it's just dealing with the world of finances and money and ain't no one going to tell me what to do with my, my stuff, with my money. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking that you now would do what I am utterly incapable of doing, which is taking your truths, pile-driving them deep into our hearts so that we would be a changed people, changed men, changed women, changed children, who understand what spirit-led community looks like. God, help us in these things. We're saying this, we're praying this, we're believing this, we're seeking to walk this out, work, work this out, so that Jesus would receive maximum glory. It's in your name I pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.